The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. You know, I was chatting with someone online the other day and they asked me if I was a stress expert. And I replied, well, I don't know if I would say I'm an expert per se. To be honest, I don't know what an expert is when it comes to stress, but I said, I know a thing or two. And it just kind of made me think, I consider myself to be a uh, pretty average Joe. I mean, I make a lot of mistakes. I don't, I don't feel like I'm that, I feel like I'm intelligent, but not beyond normal. I always say I'm smart enough to know I'm no genius. So I always think I don't, I don't want to tell people what to do because it's your decision. Um, and this is something, this is a very important point I I like to make about chronic stress monitoring and the My Stress Alarm app. It does not in and of itself reduce the frequency or severity of your stress-related symptoms. Your more data-driven, more informed decisions do that. Chronic stress monitoring in the My Stress Alarm app simply helps you make more informed decisions a way of taking calculated risks with your health by giving you a more objective view into your stress levels and where you are on any given day in relation to your threshold number, which is when you generally become symptomatic. But ultimately, it's up to each individual to make his or her own decisions based on that information, as well as considering other surrounding circumstances. There is no right or wrong decision. It's a personal choice, um, how much risk you're willing to take. Now, in my particular case, it really didn't take that long to start to see a noticeable reduction in the frequency and severity of my flares, which, by the way, allowed me to stay more focused and productive on my goals because now I I wasn't as preoccupied with the health issues. So there was a twofold benefit for me, but that's just me. Someone else could make a very, you know, could make very different decisions based on the same information and circumstances and have a totally different experience. One thing, whatever the outcome is, at least you're aware of the decision you made and the surrounding circumstances and you own it. You can identify that situation again in the future and perhaps make a different decision. Without chronic stress monitoring, there's really no way to capture that all-important data. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. So anyway, um, I hurt my back a couple weeks ago. And I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. Honestly, I didn't know know, what I wanted to talk about this week. But I hurt my lower back a couple weeks ago. And I, I really did a number on it this time. And it's pretty painful. And I'm going to make a doctor appointment to get it checked out. So I've been a little depressed um, lately because the pain 
and the fact that I have to take it easy. I'm a very active person. If you listen to this podcast, you know I like hiking. I play tennis. Um, and it's summertime, you know? You wait all winter and you're dreaming of these nice warm days. Some people think it's too hot. I'm I'm okay with it. But, you know, now I'm in pain and I can't do those things. So I've been a little depressed. Um, and it's so frustrating because it happened when I was picking something up, you know, that was heavy. And I'm always very conscious of bending at the knees. I, I'll even tell myself as I'm doing it, you know, but... You know, this one time I let my guard down and uh, <clears throat> rest is history. But I did realize something out of this, though, which is that my general attitude has changed over the years with regard to making mistakes. I used to be pretty pissed off when I would make mistakes um, and other people making mistakes. Well, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. But nowadays, I just treat it like it's part of life, you know, part of my plan Um, if you will, to achieve my goals. If your plan to achieve goals does not incorporate making mistakes, you might as well just stop right now and give up because it's never going to happen. So when I make a mistake, like for example, today I spilled um, the uh, ingredients. I I had chopped up uh, some um, peppers and mushrooms for my omelet. And um, as I was moving it to uh, another side of the stove, it hit the pot or whatever, and it spilled. Some got in the pot because I, I blanch it before uh, putting it in the omelet. But what did I do? I wasn't even pissed. <laughs> Not even a little. Because I conditioned myself to expect mistakes, to anticipate them. When I make a mistake now, whatever it is, I usually say to myself, sometimes out loud even, okay, Adam, you just made a mistake. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to get up, brush myself off, and move forward, figuratively speaking. But there is no emotion in my response to my mistake. So remember, the definition of stress, at least the the one that I use, is an emotional response to a situation you perceive not to have control over. Now, I could have been more careful, and so there is some control there. Uh, Same with lifting, you know, heavy things, you know. But I can't control that mistakes will happen. No matter how careful I am, mistakes will happen. So there's no control in that respect. However, there's also no emotional response now. There used to be, but I've conditioned myself to anticipate these situations. And so when they occur, it's all part of the plan now. And so since there was no emotional response, by definition, there was no stress. Anticipation is very powerful. It's a very powerful way to manage stress. It works really well. Even for someone like me who, you know, back in the day was wound pretty tight. But for me, you know, to let these things just roll off is profound. And ultimately it helps with, uh, you know, health-wise, both with my ulcerative colitis, uh, which stress is the main trigger for me, if not the sole trigger. Uh, but also blood pressure. Um, And it keeps me more productive, as I mentioned before. If you remember, this was one of my New Year's resolutions to challenge myself on how I'm going to react to making mistakes. 
I used to call myself dumb sometimes. But then I thought, I shouldn't call myself dumb. That's not nice. That's not helpful. But then I was calling myself dumb for calling myself dumb. But anyway, but I also, as part of that resolution, challenged myself on how I react to others' mistakes. Am I going to jump down their throat? Am I going to call them out or let them save face? Now, more times than not these days, it's the latter, even if someone is really asking for it. You know, for example, let's say um, someone lies to you and you can prove it. You, you, you found out it's a lie and you can prove it. Um, and, and it's weird, it, the people who lie to me. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but they usually aren't very good at it. You know, uh, like, like it's easy to prove. So I personally consider that a mistake on their part. You know, they have their reasons, whatever, and, and I'll just let it go at that. I mean, I, I don't even get upset about it. it. It's part of the conditioning, you know, it's anticipated. I mean, I don't anticipate specifically being lied to, but I do anticipate at least being witness to other, to others' mistakes. Now, there is a fine line between, you know, being lied to and not saying anything about it and being a pushover. But generally speaking, I don't want to embarrass the other person because believe it or not, you know, people would be shocked, uh, honestly, at who is doing the lying based on their reputation. Um, it, it would give me no pleasure in in calling them out. And I, I chalk it up to their you know, not being perfect, you know, and I forgive them without them even knowing it um, or, or knowing that I, I know they lied. Um, and I still value their friendship, uh, but maybe just a little less. And, and, and this reminds me of the, the old Andy Griffith show. Um, I think I brought this up before as well. You know, one thing I really liked about that show was the the underlying theme there that it isn't as important whether you were right or not. It was, it was more important how you make people feel. And there were so many episodes when Andy would do, Andy, Andy would do crazy things to go out of his way so as not to hurt Barney's feelings because of the crazy things he did, you know, because Barney was such a proud man. And Andy wanted to allow him to save face. And that just, you know, kind of stuck with me. But getting back to anticipation, anticipation is so powerful. Chronic stress monitoring is built on this concept. People will question um, the, the value of chronic stress monitoring uh, from time to time. You know, is there really any value in just monitoring your chronic stress? Because you still have the stress, right? So what's the point of just monitoring it when, you know, you already know you have it? Well, you know, putting aside the fact that, you know, pretty much any kind of journaling is therapeutic, right? And chronic stress monitoring is a form of journaling. It's a very easy form of journaling, in fact. So I do think there's some therapeutic value there. But putting that aside, just having the the ability to anticipate a flare, to anticipate symptoms, that mental preparedness even if you can't do anything about it, just knowing it's coming really does help. It really does. And, um, you know, as for not being able to do anything, 
People will say, you know, to me from time to time, hey, Adam, you know, there's no wiggle room in my schedule. There's nothing I can do. And, um, you know, I'll concede that there are times when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it might make more sense to stay the course and accept the risk that day, even if it's high. It's not ideal. It's a dilemma. However, if you can make time to see the doctor after you flare, if you can make time to get whatever treatments after you flare, if you can make time to rest after you flare, then you can certainly make some adjustments preemptively, which will undoubtedly be less painful, less expensive, and less disruptive to your life than going through an actual flare or any other health event. And I have some suggestions on things that you can do if you're approaching your threshold. But the great thing about chronic stress monitoring is that it allows you to target those adjustments more precisely to minimize disruption to your schedule. Well, that's it on uh, anticipation. That's my two cents for this week. I really do value your feedback and, you know, please feel free to post a comment on the Perfect Stress Facebook page. You can always email me directly at adam at perfectstresscoaching.com. And, you know, recently I actually have started to get some introductions or, or I don't know what you call them, solicitations, but there have been some people who are interested in um, coming on the show and, you know, being a guest. And so um, I think that uh, that'll happen pretty soon. Not sure why all of a sudden um, the interest to be on on this uh, podcast, but I'm not complaining. And I think that they have probably a lot of valuable things to share. So um, I think, you know, when when you listen to this podcast, and it's not a big podcast, I'm not going to try to make it seem like it's some big podcast, but although I am going to try, you know, certainly... um, my my focus is going to shift this year after the uh, app gets um, launched, and it will be launching pretty soon. We've been working hard on it. I'm not mentioning it much, but once that happens, I'm going to be guesting a lot on or you know anywhere and everywhere that that will have me. Um, you know, talking about chronic stress monitoring and reactive stress management, and and this podcast, and so. Um, I'm going to start working on on growing it, but I've just been so preoccupied, you know, with the app and frankly, my own talking points and, and just making sure that um, that my positions are sound because, you know, um, reactive stress management just sounds like it's something out in left field. Reactive, you know, the first thing people say is, well, I don't know if that's for me. I like to be proactive. Of course, and I'm going off on a tangent now, but... Um, you know, again, talking about being conditioned, I think we are conditioned that proactive is good and reactive is bad, which it's not really that black and white. You know, someone could be proactive and still benefit from the reactive, you know. So, uh, in fact, the reactive is a lot easier. So I figure from a behavioral change standpoint, probably better go with the reactive and then let that uh, kind of take its course and put you in a better position to be proactive. But anyway, a uh, lot of exciting things coming up. Everyone, please stay safe and uh, wishing you good health and success. Thank you very much as always for listening. If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, 
depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time. There's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. That's MyStressAlarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.